Our guest speaker here today he is not a stranger to South. I'm guessing it was six years ago when the Reverend Dr. Rice Evans first spoke. It was an evening service, and our hearts were encouraged and thrilled with the preaching of the Word of God. And a couple of years ago, Royce joined a panel of others as we discussed some of the tensions and uh, issues among racial relationships in the church in particular. And we had a symposium one Sunday night called Listen. And so this is, I think, the third time that uh, Royce has come to minister the word of God to us. He is a dear, dear friend of mine, a colleague at the Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, where he is in charge of many aspects of ministry there, but especially working with uh, those individuals who need residency work. That means they need to work with the church and uh, get real-life experience. Royce also leads the Urban Cohort, which is a fantastic ministry, especially in Grand Rapids, but it reaches out to Lansing and Kalamazoo and Muskegon and many other places. Perhaps he'll tell us about that a little bit more. Uh, Royce's wife is with us, Marilyn. Let's just uh, give her a hand. She's down here in the front. And when you get to know Royce, he's, he's got a fantastic testimony, a wonderful joy in the Lord. And uh, he is wholeheartedly involved in biblical preaching with a passion and a vision for multicultural ministry. Now, he has been here. This is the third time. Sometimes individuals come to a new place and they're a little hesitant to be themselves. And I told Royce, be yourself today. And I know South will love it, and we will respond to the biblical preaching of the Word of God. Please welcome my dear friend, Royce Evans. We just broke protocol. That's just me being myself. <laughs> well, good morning, South. I am excited to be with you today. Uh, just a couple of caveats at the outset. Uh, I am a Pentabaptist or a Baptocostal or however you choose to refer to me, but that's about all the preparation you will get regarding how I will act today. Uh, I've been described on occasion as uh, extremely uh, prophetic and Pentecostal in my preaching style, but I like to refer to it as articulated animation. Uh, I will move around, I will uh, be maneuvered by the operation of the Holy Spirit in our midst, so don't think anything strange is going on. Now, if I lay here for a while gasping for breath, please, those of you who are certified, uh, come forward immediately and let's determine that this is not an emergency, but it is indeed the operation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's also my custom to uh, give God a little sacrifice of praise before I 
preach, so if you would just bear with me, that's an arrangement he and I have. I need the oh, I need thee every hour, my Lord. I need thee, oh, bless me. My Savior, I come to Thee. Again, thanks to God our Father, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. And thank you to my dear friend, uh, Pastor Dinez, uh, many of you don't know it, but he is uh, and was my homiletics professor. So he and I are mutually invested in my assignment this morning. I have promised him I would not do anything to cause you to question his decision making. <laughs> but again, I am at the will of the Father, so we will let him be in control. Uh, it, it is important for you to know that I consider uh, it a privilege to preach from this anointed desk uh, this morning. And seriously, the word of God is not frivolous, but faithful. And Paul says that to always preach the word in and out of season, making sure that you rightly divide and discern the word that compels, convicts, and converts. And with that in mind, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Joshua, the fifth chapter, and our emphasis today will be on the 13th through the 15th verse. I'll be reading from the King James Version, uh, but I will be doing my exegetical work from the NIV, so regardless of what translation you have this morning, we ought to be in good shape. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. I still hear a couple of pages turning. It's near the front of the book. <laughs> Amen. Joshua 5, 13 and 15. And it reads thusly, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And the man answered and said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And for this morning, the working title of this sermon is simply Choosing Sides. Choosing Sides. Church, we live in a world and in a day and time where there is constant pressure for us 
to identify with and assimilate into various partisan and particular groups. Listen to the language of our day. Are you liberal or conservative? Choose a side. Are you Republican or Democrat? Choose a side. Are you pro-life or pro-abortion? Are you Baptist, Pentecostal? Are you from the dominant culture? Are you from the minority culture? Even gender now compels choosing a side. Something as simple as he made them male and female now has become complex and complicated and requires us to choose a side. There is a constant and relentless pressure to upon request of whosoever may ask us, what side are you on? And we are not the first to live thusly, and after an examination of the text before us today, we will see why we need to consider carefully and prayerfully how we will respond when asked this question, whose side are you on? Our answer will not always meet with favor. On occasion, we will experience pushback, and there are often consequences to how we choose. We will sometimes lose friends and even family, and sadly, even fellowships and faith among the community of believers, simply because we have made a choice. Speak, Lord, to us today clearly and plainly about what you would have us do. That is your servant's prayer. And just for a little backstory, this, 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 this encounter with Joshua now uh, outside the walls of Jericho, it, it's taken him and the remnant of the nation of Israel that left Egypt 38 years to go a two-week journey. 38 years to go two weeks distance. And that begs our attention because it means something other than just obedient compliance to God's instruction. I, I would dare say that in my life experience, those times when I take God at his word and just do what he says, it goes a lot simpler and a, less, and less, a lot less complicated if I simply obey. But as it is with most of us, we want to question uh, God, is that really what you want me to do? Sometimes we even question, is it God speaking? And so there's com complications associated with even before we get to the place of making a decision that affects our decision. But 38 years on the road, so to speak, with trials uh, within and from without, uh, temptations, uh, there's, there's this episode with a calf, I understand. I think I read that somewhere in the text where, where Moses was gone too long and, and for lack of leadership, people just created a God of their own design. And, and then that was accompanied with a lot of discouragement, deceit, disobedience, and death, none of which happens in the church today. And of course I say that facetiously. Moses has died and the mantle has passed and, and the handoff from a wandering people to becoming a military presence to take and occupy the promised land outside of Jericho, one of the oldest cities in Canaan, an impregnable fortress, and we understand that this will not be easy. 
but neither was the trip. And it's important for us to remember that even when we are in sight of our destination, sometimes that's not a time to relax our guard, but a time to be even more vigilant and more sober and more uh, understanding about what our role is and responsibilities are in God's plan. Uh, it, it's important for us to understand that this transition does not interrupt God's mighty work. I read it somewhere else in scripture that he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And certainly the obvious lesson for the nation of Israel is after 38 years, you can still count on God. And the fact that we are not at our destination has less to do with what God is saying and more to do about how we are responding we are compelled, even in our following of God sometimes, to choose a side. And as we look at the text, we, we observe Joshua in charge, doing what the military strategist ought to be doing. He, he's out planning and preparing. He's summarizing and strategizing. He, he's taking note of the resources available. He probably got a head count somewhere in his head of how many men are available for combat duty, how many women and children are available to supply sustenance to this people who will become an army. He, he's doing a fine job, but it doesn't say anything about Joshua seeking the counsel of God. It says he's busy now that he's in charge doing a lot of things, but conspicuously absent from his to-do list is an interaction with the God that have brought him to this place. Saints, I'm simply suggesting this morning that whenever we're carrying out our assignment for God, it's a good idea to check in every once in a while. I've made it a practice daily that when I wake up, I remind myself that I'm an addict in recovery. And yeah, I've been sober for 30 years, but I don't move away from the thing that's keeping me sober. I lean into it. And I wake up every morning checking in with God. Lord, am I still an addict? Check. Lord, do I still need rescue? Check. Lord, do I still need your counsel? Check. Lord, do I still need your direction? Check. Lord, do I still need your instruction? Check. And then I can begin my day. And the text says that, that he's looking around as he should be. This is a reconnaissance mission. But something strange happened. It says that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man. I simply want to suggest to us that looking around is fine, but every now and then we ought to look up. Uh, David understood that. He wrote it in a psalm. He says, uh, whatever betides, uh, whatever my day looks like, I will look to the hills. From whence cometh my help. If for no other reason to remind me that in all situations my help comes from the Lord. And so when, when, when Joshua looks up and beholds that he's not by himself. He immediately runs up on this man and asks a pivotal question. Uh, I need to identify in this potentially combat environment. Whose side are you on? Because if you're on our side, I've got stuff for you to do. 
to help expedite God's plan. But if you're on the other side, then I need to engage and arrest you so that you no longer pose a threat. But in that interchange, something marvelous happens. Joshua goes from being in charge to becoming subordinate. And for many of us in our Christian experience, we have not had this caliber of an encounter. We, we were raised in America, this fiercely independent nature, nation where, where we're encouraged all the time that we can pull ourselves up by our own boot, bootstraps, that we are responsible for our own destinies, that we are the uh, manufacturers and manipulators of our own progress. But nothing could be further from the truth. The same God that speaks us into existence is the same God that we need every day. And so it behooves us that, that, that once we recognize and look up from our looking around and identify that God is present, we need to immediately bridle our enthusiasm and allow God to be God. Let him take his rightful place as the head of our life. And in that act of obedience, we are choosing a side. When our focus changes, we can see differently. When I focus on my Jesus, my problems get smaller and my hope gets bigger. It's no longer about me. It's about him. And when God is in charge, boy, do the tables turn. God is richly resourced. The Bible says that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. God's not worried about feeding his army. It says that the earth and all they that dwell therein belongs to him. And why would I want anybody other than God to be in charge of my life? when he's imminently qualified. And so Joshua's question and our Lord's response, because don't get it wrong, if, if you read when Joshua drops to his knees, the act of worship immediately identifies that he's in the presence of the pre-incarnate Christ. If this would have been an angel, the angel would have hurried Joshua up off of his knees. But because this personality says, Joshua, worship is appropriate, I think we can conclude with certainty that this is Jesus Christ. And so Joshua now moves from that pivotal question based on the response. Because Jesus declares dogmatically that I'm not on anybody's side except my own. And that those who are wise and those who are paying attention would, would stop the division about Republican or Democrat uh, Jew or Gentile, you would move quickly to say, well, God's got a side. That sounds like the side I want to be on. Mmm, quite a quiet at South Church. <laughs> and we realize that the question that he should have started out with is a very different question. Lord, what would you have me do? The first question, whose side are you on? But now that we've got that cleared up, that it's your side that we ought to be on, what would you have me do? Whose 
whose side am I on? And what purpose should I be trying to accomplish? It behooves us today to think about that question again. Whose side are you on today, South Church? Are you on your own side where only what matters at South Church is your opinion? That's not a good side. If it's only about the aspirations and the ideological persuasions of your small group, in contradiction to other small groups, that's probably problematic. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves that, that the emphasis is to be on God's side. He's defeated every en enemy. So when COVID hit, that shouldn't freak me out. It ought to remind me that the same God that have overcome pestilence in the past is equipped to deal with COVID. Shouldn't bother me when people rush up on the Capitol thinking that the nation has caved in and yielded to anarchy. God is still on the throne regardless of who's occupying the White House. I don't worry about the majority in Congress because I know God's vote trumps every vote, pun intended. <laughs> this God is at work in all things on behalf of those who love him. That's what Paul wrote to the church at Romans. This God has defeated sin, death, and the grave. I want to be on that side. The book of Revelation said that where God is going, there's no more sickness. There's no more tears. There's no more discrimination. There's no more war. There's no more anything contradictory to his will. I want to be on that side. I want to be on God's side. He reminded me that I can be attentive to what men want. But men don't have a heaven or a hell to put me in. And the eternal disposition of my soul needs to be in God's hands. That sounds like the side for me. When I choose God, he takes over and makes me over. I know I'm right about it because the text says that if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. So how do I get on God's side. Well, again, the text give us plain evidence. The, the, it says that Joshua fell on his face to the earth. He takes a position of subordinate humility and did worship, and did worship. To get on God's side begins with an act of worship. I turn over the care and the will of my life to somebody greater than I am and trust him to get me where I need to be. Joel, Joshua shows us how it's done. We humble ourselves, we submit to his will, and we constantly and consistently ask him, what would you have us do? I, I love this next part where it says the, the captain of the Lord's host responds to Joshua says, take off your shoes. Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. Which reminds me that I just can't come to God any kind of way. I can't come to God all, all raggedy and rebellious. I need to come to him repentant and resolved to give my life over to him. 
I, 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 I realize that wherever God is, that's holy ground. I, I remember in the past in my dope experiences that, that, that God would even come to the dope house to see about Royce Evans. Woo! He, he would even come to the places that you would normally not associate with him just to make sure that his potential servant, I hadn't given my life at the time when I ran into the Lord, but he came into the penitentiary to talk to me about changing sides. Because if you keep on the same way you're going, Royce, jails, institutions, and death are going to be your outcome. But if you aspire to eternal life, an abundant life, then you've got to choose another side. You got to make up your mind today that you're going to go a way different than you came. That what you thought was working in the past is a monumental failure. And Royce put it down so that what you can take up is truly beneficial to you and will preserve your days on God's earth. But why take off my shoes, Lord? We're only talking about a quarter to an inch piece of leather. That, that's not a big deal, is it, God? And God's response is simply this. I don't want anything between you and me when it comes to our relationship. And isn't it funny that we know this from the biblical text, but we'll allow things like our politics to get in between me and God and our relationship. I'll let the color of somebody else's skin get in between me and God and our relationship. I'll let the way you think, the way you vote, the opinions that you proffer to become a catalyst and a dividing place in my relationship with God. I think Christ makes it plain. Nothing between us. Nothing. Seriously, Lord, nothing. Not your preferences, not your opinions, not your prejudices. He says there is nothing. And the reason he can say this so dogmatically is because Paul's going to write in the letter to the church at Rome that God doesn't allow anything on his end to get in between us and his promise. I know I'm right about it because I was working in Romans. Uh, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? The answer is no. Persecution or famine? Nakedness? Peril or sword? Doesn't matter. God will not allow that to separate us from the love of Christ. And we can conclude that in all these things, like Joshua will realize in just a few short chapters, that we are more than conquerors. It's not just about winning the battle at hand. It's winning the cosmic struggle between good and evil, darkness and light. We have been elevated and ushered into that assignment for God. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Today, South Church, I believe, like Paul, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, 
nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or even things to come. Not height, nor depth, nor any creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is my advice as I go to my seat. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, choose him today. Not when you get home and think about it for a little while. You don't have to run it through the scrutiny of a few other folk. I'm telling you right now that all you have to do is lean into the conviction of the Holy Spirit and accept his gracious invitation to be on his side. I know I'm right about it because I followed a lot of things in my life. I was a member of the Black Panther Party for a little while. That didn't work out. I was a Muslim and in the nation of Islam for a hot minute. It didn't work out. I was, I was a Catholic charismatic for about five minutes. It didn't work out. Because only the Spirit of God can reveal the things of God. And to get to God's side, I'm going to have to have his spirit indwelling me so that I can have this non-restrictive relationship with him and truly enter into all the blessings that he have reserved for those that love him. Choose Jesus today. Choose not just a side. Choose his side. Songwriter says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And you know the rest of the story where, where Joshua was planning to strategically place snipers in the crow's nest and have the infantry up front, uh, all the marshalling activities of combat. And none of it's necessary because God says that the same worship that got you into relationship is the same worship that will give this city into your hands. South Church, choose God. Choose Christ. Choose the Holy Spirit. Choose a side. Thank you for your kind attention this morning.